Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. I want to start tonight by saying something that I say a lot, but it's important that we start this way because this is uh, the most foundational truth that we, we can never hear too much of. A lot of us have heard me say similar things like this in the past, but we have a lot of people here who are new tonight. And so I want to make sure we start by just saying what we believe here. We believe that there is a real literal God that, uh, you know, some people can write that off and say that that sounds nuts. You know, personally, I've gotten to a point in my life where when you see the world, when you see creation, I personally think you're nuts if you disagree with me. <laughs> because, um, you know, it, it's, the Bible says, like, in our hearts, we know that there's more than just materialism and just, we just came out of nothing and explain how, like, yeah, gases, you know, created you with all of your issues here in this room tonight. Um, there is a, a real God, and I think in our hearts, we all know that. And I think as we look at the world and we look at the issues that you just see in the world, that you see in your own life, it is because we were made by God for God. Do we agree with that tonight? Some of us here... The, like why, Some of you maybe who are new, you're looking at us and you're like, why would they be worshiping with their eyes closed and their hands up? Like they're kind of bugging. But the reality is there is a real God that when you meet him, you find what you were made for. Because we're made by God for God. So, you know, one thing we say a lot, there's so many things in life that can bring you happiness for a moment, that can bring you pleasure, but nothing can bring real lasting peace in your heart, real joy, aside from God, because the Bible says he is the prince of peace. He, he made our soul with these appetites that only he can fill. And a lot of us here in the room tonight, the reason why we have no peace is because we don't actually have the relationship with God that he made us for. And so I want to start tonight by sharing, why is that? Like if God made us, why does it seem like maybe he is not like front and center in my life from the moment I came out the womb? Uh, why does he, if he is real, why does he feel inaccessible? Why don't I have that peace? If he made me for himself and he made me so that he could satisfy me, where is he? Why, if you're telling me I don't have peace because I'm supposed to have God, well, why hasn't God come to me? I'm a, I'm a good person. I've been waiting here. And I want to start tonight by telling you the beginning of the story that we have in God's word. The Bible says we were made by God for God to enjoy him forever, for him to not just be like a little slice of our life, but to literally be our entire life. Everything my soul needs, he made me so that I could find what I need in him. But the Bible says that he wanted to provide this to us in a loving relationship. For a relationship to be loving, it has to be a two-way street. So God didn't program you and I to just have no will of our own. He gave us the ability to either accept his love or reject his love. And so the beginning of the Bible, 
we see beauty, we see paradise, we see something that in our hearts we all long for. We look at the world around us and we know this isn't right. And creation starts with it being right. But in God giving us the choice to either respond to his love and for him to be our God or for us to go our own way, the Bible says you and I went our own way. We chose to not let him be everything we need to be our God. We said, you know what? I think I have the God of my own life. And so from the beginning of history now, you see people knowing God is real, made by him so that he could be reigning in their life as their God, but saying, you know what? I think I can make something better for myself than what he can give me. And so the Bible says that introduces Every problem you could imagine. It's like the paradise that God created. We chose to essentially try to create a paradise of our own. But what we have built, look at the world around you. You can see what it's resulted in. And so God, looking at earth, looking at humanity, knowing only I can satisfy these people. I made them so that I could be their God. They're trying to be their own God. They're blowing their life up. What God finally comes and does, and this is the theme of tonight, um, so pull your glasses out. What he does is he makes a covenant with them. Say that word, covenant. So that's a word probably you and I have not used in the last week. Um, That's a word that throughout many other cultures and throughout history, Uh, that is a a common theme, whether it looks the exact same as what we see in the Bible. It is uh, a very universal um, form of coming into a contract with somebody. What a, a covenant is, is it's I am making a contract and an agreement with you, but it's not just one like where... I'm going to scratch your back and you're going to scratch my back. And the moment that you stop scratching the itch, then I'm going to go my own way and, you know, do what's best for me. A covenant is I am stepping into an agreement with you before God. The reason why we don't talk about covenants a lot today is because when God is kind of taken out of the picture, then it's just, yeah, we we try to make agreements with people based on, I guess, what we get out of it. Um, but we're not bound to it because the moment we feel like we're not getting what we want out of it anymore, we're free to go our own way. You know, the Bible says marriage is a covenant. What that means is I'm not just saying, okay, I like you, uh, you know, I like your hairline today, and you know what? I'm ready to sign up to become one with you um, until that hairline starts creeping (laughs) because guess what? If that was the case... M would be gone because <laughs> that boy is beginning to creep. And, you know, um, the way we think of marriage, it's a contract. It's not a covenant. It's right now we make our, each other happy. And the moment we stop making each other happy, then we've grown apart and you're free to go your way and I'm going to go mine way. That's the way we understand marriage today because God has been taken out of the picture in our culture. But what a covenant ultimately is, is I'm not just committing to you based on how you make me feel in a moment or whether I like everything that's coming out of you. I am literally committing my life to you before God like I belong to you now. 
until the day I die. There's, I am now yours. And so with covenants, what we see in, uh, in the Bible, when people would make covenants with each other, they would ha- there would be uh, requirements and there would be outcomes. And so the way that we would remain in a covenant wasn't if I continue to like everything that you did. There were maybe certain things, though, that you would do that would nullify our covenant, and you would have been the person who broke it. Um, but just to completely paint this picture for you guys, it's, it's a really interesting, this concept. It's a mixture of love and legal commitment. It's not just, I like you, and I'm just going to, like, hang out with you as much as long as I like you or it's not just all right I'm bound to you and like it's like this interesting combo of like I um, am committing myself to you to meet the needs that you have to help you in times of trouble to be a family member that's as close as a family member could be to you and interestingly this is pretty wild in the Old Testament when people would come into a covenant with one another this is about to sound wild to you, but they would come before God. They would say, this is what we're agreeing on doing. They would take an animal. They would slit that thing's neck. They would cut it in half. And they would make, they would take about five animals, and they would make a road in between the animals. And so when they would make this covenant, they would agree on the terms, They would agree on what they were committing to, on what would break the covenant, and then they would walk through this road of ripped up animals. The reason why they would do that is because they would say, God, if I am to break this covenant, this is how binding this thing is. If I break what I have now committed myself to, let me be like those animals. What happened to these guys, that's going to be me if I don't follow through. So you hear that and you realize there's a lot at stake. You don't, and that's why in the Bible, people wouldn't get into covenants lightly. They would say, let's just have a, a gentleman's agreement. And he was like, no, walk. I need to know. So that's what's at stake here. And so God, looking now at mankind, We have tried to become the gods of our own life. And, you know, the two things that we see in the Bible God is described as is he is love. We've all probably heard that one. But he's also described as holy. And so God of love because he wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants all of our needs to be met by him. Um, But the reason why paradise fell and we got disconnected from God is because the Bible says God is holy. The word holy really means moral purity, like perfection. And so what the Bible says is, is because God is perfect, it would be evil of him to not punish evil. If there is a judge who was dealing with a case where let's say somebody killed somebody, right? If he said, you know what? Two weeks community service, you're straight. That would be evil. That would be an evil judge. The Bible says that the sin that we've committed, we've all in this room committed the highest sin that you can commit, 
trying to take the place of God in this universe, in our own lives. And so the Bible says because of that sin, God can't really, he can't associate with us. It's like we need him, but now we can't have him because we have cut ourselves off because he's holy. But he's also love. So in his holiness, he now comes to man to say, I'm going to make a way for you to be able to still have a relationship with me and deal with this sin that has separated you from me. And when we see, like you guys have heard in the Bible, uh, you know, it's called the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Testament and covenant are pretty much synonyms. So the Old Testament is pretty much the story of this covenant that God made, uh, the first one. And so God comes to a man named Abraham, and out of nowhere, rocks his world, says, yes, you're sinful, but I have chosen you, and I'm now making a covenant with you, where if you will obey me and make me your God, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to meet all of your needs, I'm going to give you a land that your people can inhabit, and you're going to be set, like I'm going to be committed to you. What are the terms? The terms, obey and make him your God. And if you follow through with that, you are literally going to have everything that you could possibly need. And so Abraham, hearing this, he begins to even question, because in this story, he's actually like 100 years old, and God is saying, you're going to have a baby, and from there, that's where all of this blessing is going to come, and you're going to be a nation, your family one day. And so he pretty much challenges God in a way and says, like, how will I know that this is going to happen? And there is this unreal passage in the Old Testament that if you don't understand what's happening, you can easily just read through it really quick and not really understand it and just be like, that's kind of weird. But God commands Abraham, we're making a covenant, get the animals, chop them up, make the road. And so Abraham goes ahead and thinks, all right, so I'm about to walk through this thing and I'm making, like, the f and just to pause there, when you realize, like, I don't even deserve God. Like, I've disqualified myself from God. The fact that he would come and say, look, I want to make a deal with you in the first place, the love that's in that, like, how that must have rocked Abraham's world. But he's like, all right, so let's make this path. He cuts the animals up. They're there. And he goes to bed one night, and there's this path there. And in the middle of the night, he wakes up, and he sees a vision of these flames that represent, they were the presence of God. And as he's sitting there watching, he sees God himself goes and walks through the path. So normally, when people made covenants, it wasn't every single case where like both people would walk through. Often, the person who had the less trustworthy, lower position of power, they had to bind themselves to the one who was more powerful in the situation. Never in Abraham's life would he have thought that God himself was going to do that walk. And do you realize what that walk meant? The God of the universe is saying, the faithfulness, the, the promises that I've just given you, how I'm going to meet your needs, I'm going to be faithful to you, I'm going to do things that you couldn't imagine. I'm binding myself to death 
if I don't come through. God literally says, let me die if I'm not faithful to what I've promised you. That's as extreme of, that's the most extreme thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. That God would take this one guy so serious and the promise that he made to him to say, this is how far I'm willing to go to show you who I want to be to you and the love that I have for you. So from there, the story continues. The family begins to develop. It turns into a nation. And as they go, God continues to help them see, this is what you obeying me should look like. This is what it looks like when I am your God. These are the ways you have to stay from all other gods and all other things that would take my place in your heart. And so they saw so clearly. It was so easy for them. They saw literally everything was complete. Like, you know when, like, you don't know, let's say, like, growing up when you were a kid and your parents, um, not that my mom ever did this, but, like, you know, you wouldn't even know why you were getting in trouble for something. And it wasn't even like there was a rule that was spelled out. It was like you're just blowing it without, there was no, it's just because your parent is, like, upset maybe. And that's why you're just at the mercy of them. It wasn't like you broke any rule, right? And sometimes you could be like, oh, man, this is rough. I got to get out of this house. You know, with God, every single thing he required of his people, he made it obvious. He didn't say, like, there's any catch or any way I'm trying to trick to give you everything that you need. I want to bless you. And so all you need to do is be faithful to me. It's literally like, and this is a horrible analogy, but let's say, you know, you're single and you have, uh, you know, Daddy Warbucks comes into your life and he says, look, I want to marry you and I want to give you, like, I'm not withholding. I'm not signing a prenup with you. Like, everything that I have is yours because we're going to be together. I'm committing myself to you. All you have to do is not cheat on me. That's essentially what God is saying to, uh, to his people in that moment. He's saying, I am literally infinite Grace, infinite riches. You're even going to mess it up. And I've made a system so that you can get the forgiveness for the sins that you have. All you need to do is let me continue to be your God. Don't cheat on me with other gods. Don't cheat on me with the other things that you think will satisfy you when only I can. And so you hear that deal. And it's like if, you know, you're from Staten Island and you got some guy come through and he's about to move you into billionaire's row, and the only thing for you to get married to him that you have to do is not cheat on him, we would all look at that person, and let's say they did cheat on him, we'd be like, you're a, a dummy dummy. <laughs> like, you dropped the bag. <laughs> you blew it. Do you realize that's exactly what happened with these people? They had everything they could ever need, security, blessing, protection, grace. And he said, just don't cheat on me. But sure enough, the moment they began to get blessed and they had all of these promises fulfilled in their life, they began looking around a little bit. And before you know it, they began cheating on God with other gods, with other desires that overtook their desire for him. And so God... Again, he's holy, and he made this covenant with them. He said, you can't cheat on me, 
or else this isn't going to work. And he says, if you remain faithful to me, these are all the blessings I have for you. But if you cheat on me, unfortunately, it's going to get rough for you. When you read through the Bible, the terms that were given were if we weren't faithful to God, it says every horrible thing you're going to be at the mercy of because you've lost me and you've lost the protection I've had for you. And so God, in his holiness, he sees them turning to other gods. And because he's holy, he begins to withdraw his blessing. And he gives them over to the curses of this covenant that was made. And so they turn from God. And before they know it, foreign powers begin to invade. They begin to destroy their cities. All of the blessing and the fertility of the land and all of these things that they just took for granted began to fall apart. And they found themselves with God saying, this is all I wanted to give you. And they're looking and they're like, we have none of this anymore. And so in that place, God is holy. He begins to bring his blessing back. But he's love. So he begins to send people to call them and say, you're turning from me. And if you continue in this, I'm going to cut you off. You're going to be stuck with your sin. But I love you. And I want to restore you. And if you turn your heart back to me, I'm going to bring you right back into everything that you once had in me. It seems hopeless right now. Like, these people have taken over. Watch what I could do in a second if you'll return to me and turn from these other loves and these other gods you have. And so they would do it. They would come back. Everything would work out. They'd have victory again. Things are going amazing. And then as things go amazing, they start looking around again. Can anyone relate to that here in this room, that kind of story? That sounds familiar, right? And so after cycles and cycles and cycles of this, of God with this cheating spouse who continues to run away from him, even though he's saying, literally, all you have to do is just love me and let me be your God and follow me, and I'm going to give you everything you need. And here people are literally in misery, but they continue to just want what they want. What the Bible says ended up happening was, you know, it became clear, like, where this thing was going. How many more times can God continue to let his people cheat and turn on him? And so that brings us to the reality of a lot of our lives here. A lot of us maybe know, like, okay, what you're saying about me being made for God, that, that feels real. And I know I need to want him. But in the end of the day, anytime I've tried to want him, I've ended up wanting something else more at the end of the day. It's like I try to get close to God, I try to become more religious, I try to go to church, I went to church for like two months last year, but then, you know, I started looking around again, and before I knew it, it was over. A lot of us can relate with that story. And what became so clear as this story progressed was that the completely reasonable covenant that God made with us, that all we have to do is let him be our God and not turn to other gods, that completely reasonable thing, we couldn't hold our end up. And so that brings us today to the story of the new covenant, to the story of what Jesus has done for the world, for my life and for your life. I was talking to somebody last week, and they were, you know, they've even come here for like, three months on occasional, like they, they've been here a bunch of times. They've heard a bunch of sermons here, Sundays, 
And as we were talking, I was asking, like, what do you believe about Jesus? And he was like, I mean, like, you guys are happy in here and stuff, and so I kind of like being around your happiness, but, like, yeah, I think it's a bunch of garbage. I was like, really? It's like, well, why? He was like, oh, cool, like, he turned water into wine, and, oh, his body wasn't in a grave a couple days later. That's it, so I'm just supposed to, like, follow him? And I was like, hey, dude, you literally have no idea what you're talking about right now. (laughs) And so this is actually an amazing opportunity for maybe you to get some clarity on this because you have no idea what Jesus has actually done. And I want to share that with you right now. And so God, being holy, seeing we have failed this covenant, we have cheated on him, we've run away from him, he, in his holiness, he has to punish this unfaithfulness and cut us off. But again, he loves us. He loves you and I. And so the Bible says that God loved this world He loved you and I so much that he came in the flesh. Jesus Christ comes to earth. He begins to perform miracles. He lives a flawless, perfect life. The covenant and all of the terms that had to be fulfilled, he checked every box. He never violated it once. And he lives this perfect life, and he starts preaching, and people are drawn to him. He's doing miracles. But nobody actually understands, like, what's happening in his life. Like, what was the purpose of him coming? People even begin to realize, this is God. But they still had no idea what was going on. Until the time comes where people turn on him. He's lived this perfect life. He has been the essence of love of grace, of gentleness, of mercy. But the world turns against him. And they end up bringing false accusations up against him. And they bring him before the government. And essentially what ends up happening, the government's like, all right, you guys want to kill this guy? We'll kill this guy. That's going to make you happy. And so Jesus, we've all heard, like Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I want to just maybe help you understand a little bit more what that means today. Jesus fulfilled the covenant that we should have fulfilled with God, with his life. He lived it perfectly. And because God is holy and he needs to punish the sin and the unfaithfulness of us, punishment needs to be given out. But again, he loves us. So what does he do? He comes, he sends Jesus Jesus lives this perfect life, fulfills every single part of this covenant, and then he is mercilessly tortured and crucified on a cross. But in that moment, it's not just he's being tortured and publicly humiliated. The Bible says that God, all of the punishment that you and I deserve for failing to keep this covenant, God unleashes it on himself. He says, this needs to be paid for, but guess what? I'm going to pay for it because I love you. I'm holy. This needs to be paid for. But I love you so much that I'm going to pay for this myself. And it's not just money. It was his life. It was the deepest agony that any human has ever felt. Nothing comes close. Not just physical, not just emotional. God himself unleashes this spiritual punishment that you and I deserve. The separation, that final cutting off of God saying, you know what, I'm done with you. You haven't been faithful. He does that to Jesus. 
Jesus gets cut off and takes the fullness of the punishment that we deserve. He dies on the cross. And in dying on the cross, what happens in this moment is the covenant that God had made with us. He came and took our place. He came as a man and he fulfilled it for us. So the Bible says three days later, Jesus raises from the grave and that begins this new covenant. That begins. I want to put up this verse really quick. I know I've been telling a story, but it was really to get to this point. This is what Hebrews 8, 6 through 12 says. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. So pause it right there actually for now. Um, And so this is the message of Jesus. He says that you can't fulfill this covenant. The blessing that you need from God, having a relationship with him, being connected to him, it requires you being faithful. But the issue here is you're never going to be faithful. And so Jesus, this new covenant that begins, it starts with this. If you put your faith in what I'm giving you, I'm giving you my completed fulfillment of the covenant. I'm giving you my record for your life. You up until this point have had to come before God with your record, and that's what's kept you stuck and apart from him. But he is saying, I'm giving you my record because you've been a good boy or a good girl? No. Because you even love me and you're faithful to me? No. He's saying, if you put your faith in me, the only way that this is going to work from this point forward is if I do it for you because you can't do it for yourself. The gospel is this. I can't get myself to do what I need to do to have a relationship with God. And so God himself came and did it for me. And he says, if you believe in me, I will give you what I deserve. And it says that what he deserves is now this new covenant that begins. And so let's read just the rest of these verses. We're going to wrap up in a sec. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah than I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. Wait, hold on, go back. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. So just to summarize, and we're going to just go through a couple of the points that that made. What was required in the old covenant was I need to be faithful to God, and he'll give me everything that I need. The story of the old covenant and the Old Testament 
And the story of your life and my life is this. If me having a relationship with God is dependent on me being faithful to him, it's never going to happen. If you're here today and you say, all right, I want to get close to God. I want to have a relationship with God. Let me try to stop doing bad things. Let me do more good things. Let me go to church. Let me check all these boxes and prove that I'm being faithful to him. Doesn't that mean that he's going to begin to help me now and bless me and see me through the stuff that I'm going through? Can I tell you that's over with? You never could have done that anyways. Maybe you could have been motivated for a week or two, maybe a year, but sooner or later you would start looking around and everything that he wanted to give you, you would end up cutting yourself off from. The message of Jesus is this today. You can't make yourself faithful to God and he knows that, so he came to make you faithful. You couldn't follow the laws So he writes the laws on your heart. You wanted to follow other gods and live for other things, but God himself says, I'm going to make you my people, and I'm going to become your God. You realize the point of this new covenant isn't we work ourselves up, do better, try harder, then we get close to God. God is saying, I, through Jesus now, through your faith in what I want to give you, this free gift, I'm going to literally transform you. I'm going to give you a new heart. Let's just go to the last right here. Keep it here. So what's the first thing? Because of this new covenant, when I put my faith in Jesus, he has fulfilled the last covenant. He has paid the price for the sins that I've committed. So what it says that means for my life now, that he will forgive me and never again remember my sins. If you're here today and you've put your faith in Jesus, the covenant that you now live in is that you're not defined by any mistake that you've ever made. When Jesus sees you, he sees a child who he loves and who he gives himself to entirely. Here, it says, for everyone from the, it says, you won't have to teach people about me. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. This new covenant, the last covenant, God was far away, and we just had to obey him. You know, it's said in this verse that these are better promises. Before, God would just protect the land, bless the crops, keep them safe. But what this is saying now, because of what Jesus has done for your life, if you receive it and you're defined now by what Jesus has given you, you have absolute access to me. You don't need to just learn things about me anymore. You can know me. You can know the one that you were made for, the one who will bring peace and rest and joy to your soul. You don't have to just hear about me. You don't have to convince yourself about me. You'll know me. How amazing is that? And that last one, go back one verse, please. Um, I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. What that's saying is, when I put my faith in Jesus, in this new covenant and agreement that God has made with us through his son, he now comes and makes me do what I would never want to do on my own. You see, a lot of us get stuck and we're like, all right, I need to get more religious, but I got to just like, I got to finish my ratchet season. (laughs) Or I've got to, I literally was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 I got you, bro, I got you, bro. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to wait till after my birthday. Like, I think after my birthday, I'll have it out my system, and I'll be good after then, and then I'll start trying to have a relationship with God. 
Can I tell you, his birthday came and nothing changed? Because the reality is, you don't get it out of your system. You can know that you need God, but if you think that you're ever going to wake up one day and want him, the day's not going to come. A lot of us are stuck because we think it's our job to get ourselves to want God one day. And we're like, well, that's not today, so maybe tomorrow. Hopefully tomorrow's different. And then you just keep on waiting, and your heart gets harder. You get more stuck in your mess. And that's the point of this covenant because God says, you're never going to be faithful to me, so I'm going to make you faithful to me. You realize you don't have to change your heart. That's God's job. All you have to do is believe. There's a famous verse in the New Testament. Jesus talking with a woman makes this insane statement. She, he, he ends up saying to her, this is the work that God requires from you. Only believe. What does God want from you today? Does he want you to start making more promises or figure out your game plan of how you're going to like beat yourself into being a godly person or starting to make promises and commitments? And what God is saying is this new covenant that has begun with Jesus ever need, I'm going to give you if you just put your faith in me. Remember what that picture was of God walking through the split animals. That's the covenant that he made. He said, I have bound myself to you. I have fully committed myself to you. I'm going to meet all of your needs. I'm your God. With that first covenant, the requirement was that they had to be faithful. With this covenant now, the requirement is you have to trust him. How amazing is that today? Do you realize what that means for this moment? That God is going to come and meet you? He's going to meet every need your soul could possibly have. The destructive tendencies and habits and desires that you have, he's going to change your heart. He's going to literally transform your life. And what do you have to do? Become more religious? No. Belief. Trust him. And then you watch and see what he comes and does. The reason I'm saying this today, and we're going to close the band, if you can come up and play a little bit. A lot of us maybe have started in really believing in this new covenant. But you know, as a Christian, it's easy to veer back into the old one. It's like you mess up a couple times and you start thinking again, like, oh, it's my job here to be faithful. It's my job here to make myself want God. Why can't I beat why am I still stuck in these same cycles? i got to change something. I've got to get my life figured out. Like, how am I going to get myself to get closer to God again and stop sinning? Do you realize today the covenant that God has now made with you through Jesus? Is he saying, where are you weak? Do you realize that in that, I'm going to make you strong? Where do you have shame and uh, guilt over your sin? Don't you remember that I've completely washed you clean? And I've forgotten because of what Jesus has done for you? What provision do you lack in your life? Do you have needs? Are there things about your future that you're uncertain with? Well, how about you look at what I promised you? That this has nothing to do with what you do for me anymore. This has everything to do with what Jesus has done for you and what he has earned you. All of us here have been earned something that we could not even remotely deserve. This is the point of a covenant here, and this is what we all have to learn now. 
God has committed every single promise that you now see in the New Testament about the forgiveness he wants to bring you, the power he wants to bring you, the way he wants to meet all of your needs, direct you in his plan for your life, all of that is a guarantee now. It's not if. It's not, oh, when I'm doing better, then that's more for me, and I have to, if I'm doing bad, then I have to do more so that that can be more for me. It's like, no, it's done. Because of what Jesus has done for you, if you put your faith in that today, that means all that God has ever promised in his word is yours. The reason you and I are stuck is because we don't see that or believe that. We're still stuck in the old way of viewing things. It's like, I have to do more for God. No, I need to let God do more for me. I'm stuck. Oh, I got to dig myself out of this pit. No, he's already promised me he's going to lift me out of it once I trust him. Oh, I got to figure out my future and figure out what I'm going to do. No, he's promised me he's going to lead me. I, I pray today that through what I'm saying, I don't have the words to be able to articulate to God, you guys the beauty and the truth of what this, this is so deep. It's something God needs all to, to help us all really understand. But God wants you to have confidence in what Jesus has done for you. He doesn't want you to have confidence in yourself. He doesn't want you to be stuck in shame over what you feel you're not. He's saying, it is finished. I've called you into this new life where I'm going to be everything you need. The, the beauty of him being our God again through Jesus is we don't have to do anything on our own anymore. He is with us and for us in every area of our heart, every area, you name it, in your life. I want to challenge you guys today. You need to understand this, and you need to believe it. And the more you begin to see what that means for your life, you can't help but begin to have this faith and hope and joy stir up in your heart. Because then you begin to look at the weaknesses, the areas of shame in your life, the places where things seem like they're falling apart, and then you see the God who walked through the animals and said, I will die if I don't come through and do everything that I've promised you I'll do. God has committed himself to you tonight. How do you receive that? My final thing, you can't, you can't leave here with like religious motivation of like, yeah, I think I got this and I like this church thing. If you're going to leave here with anything tonight, please know that heaven is above your life tonight. Whatever you lack, whatever you need, wherever you're stuck, the answer is in Jesus. He loves you tonight. He wants to meet every need that you have. The only way, though, that you're going to have that is when you trust in what Jesus has done for you. And you say, God, I don't deserve you, but Jesus did. And he gave me what I don't deserve, which is his, his place. The Bible says, when we put our faith in Jesus, he becomes our father. He becomes the loving father who is there for you in everything that you go through. I was listening to a quote this week that so challenged me. It said that the message of this new covenant and of the gospel, it's not just how you get saved. It is the answer to every issue you face today and going deeper in it and your understanding of it is the only 
Whatever it is we lack today, Jesus wants to open your eyes in a new way to see what he has promised you, what he has given you. The only way you're going to move forward out of where you are is when you see that, you say, God, show me, speak to me, show me what you've promised me. And God, I'm trusting in this now. And now I'm waiting on you. How beautiful is that? It feels like when we trust God, where it's like, I know, but I got to do something too, right? No. He's saying, I'm going to do it in you. Literally, the faith that God wants from us tonight is when we say, God, I'm done doing things my own way. Even, you might be a Christian here tonight, and you're continuing to struggle in the same stuff. What God is saying is, stop trying. Stop trying to beat what you know. It's so clear. Don't you see from your life, you can't beat this. That's why I came for you. That's why I gave you my son, so that I could be everything you need. I could bring the transformation your heart needs. And so we're going to wrap it up here. But my prayer for what I said tonight, that you begin to feel just like, like in a moment, if you feel like God's speaking to you right now, if you see your need and you're hearing this, and you know you can't get yourself to God, you know you can't change yourself. The biggest thing that kept me stuck in my relationship with God for so long was I knew I needed God and I wanted to want him, but I didn't really want him. I really did just want my life to look a certain way and to have certain, it's like, yeah, God, I know you're real. I know I need you. But really, it's like my life is only going to be good if I really just have these things. And so uh, it's like I want you, but I want these things more. If that's where you are tonight, if you say I want God, but I actually want other things more, you're in the perfect place. Stop trying to change your heart and let Jesus come and do it in your life. Have faith for your circumstance tonight. This is what he's promised you. So the ball's in your court now. Do you want to be restored to the God of the universe who made you? Do you want to see victory over your heart that can't be faithful? Say, God, you're the one who said you were going to make me faithful. And I'm trusting you tonight for you to do that. Can the worship team come up? We hope you were encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at sanctusnyc.org.